0: You're listening to The Real Enneagram Podcast, A Spiritual Quest, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being.
1: Welcome back to a podcast entitled The Real Enneagram.
2: A Spiritual Quest.
1: Thank you for joining us today. I'm excited about our podcast because today I have with me the entire faculty for the Institute for Conscious Being and... What I wanted to do, if that's okay with this group of people, is I wanted to go around and introduce each faculty member and talk a little bit about your background, and then I have a question for you, for our listeners. So often when we are at conferences or we're doing trainings or we're in different groups doing different teachings, we have people approach us and ask us this question. So I'm going to make our listeners wait for it. Okay, so I want to begin by introducing the faculty, and I'm just going to start with the person on my right. There's no particular rhyme or reason. I I didn't want anybody to think they're more important than anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... (laughs) All right, I'm going to begin with Dr. Drexel Rayford. He is a... Obviously, he has his doctorate, and he is a pastor. He's been a pastor and been the pastor of churches in Virginia mostly for over 30 years.
3: Virginia and Kentucky, yeah.
1: And most currently, you are on staff at the University of Alabama in Birmingham, and you work in what area?
3: In the Department of Spiritual Care, otherwise known as Pastoral Care at UAB Medicine.
1: Okay. So what Dr. Drexel rayford brings to us is his amazing musical talent and also he's a wonderful teacher so he al- always presents at our conferences and he does a wonderful job with his theology his background in theology and Thanks depth the assessment yes <laughs> and also i said this wrong earlier you attended uh richard Rohr's living school
3: that's right that's right yeah i did
1: so have you have that wealth of knowledge as well so and then we have lark howell and lark howell is the backbone of the institute for conscious being her and joe founded the institute and then lark pretty much just keeps us all whipped into shape all the time so the mother of two children and two elderly dogs (laughs) and who require a lot of care. She's running a dog nursing home, if anybody is interested. So welcome, Mark. How are you today? Thank you, Erica. I'm fine. Thank you for hosting us today
4: and encouraging us to be on our best behavior while we're doing this
1: podcast. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay. So now we have the Reverend John Adams. And John Adams has pastored churches in Missouri, Kansas, and Georgia, He also was a consultant for clergy and congregational care, and did that for many years, and is currently serving as a life coach for people who need his wisdom and expertise. How are you?
0: Doing great. Good to be with you.
1: So, John Adams... Reverend John Adams brings to the ICB. He is our shepherd. He does a lot of teaching and has a wealth of wisdom in the spirituality of the Enneagram. And next we have Melanie Rogers. She is talented. She is a, one of our musicians, plays the viola violin. Mm-hmm. She has been a member of symphonies all across the country, and helps us with music and also helps us with teaching. How are you, Melanie? Great. Good to be here. Thank you, Erica. Yeah, she's wonderfully patient and wise as well. (laughs) Then we have Dr. Joseph Howell.
2: Hey, folks. Glad to be back with you. (laughs)
1: he's a clinical psychologist. He said, all I want you to tell him is I'm a clinical psychologist (laughs) and that he is a founder of the Institute for Conscious Being with his wife, Lark Howell. And he obviously is our fearless leader and has been wonderful to bring us all on faculty and to help us be a part of this amazing journey. Then we have Roger Conville, Roger didn't really want to talk about what he does for a living. He's in real estate, but he's more interested that people know that he has always been an advocate for our environment. And he was a river keeper. And he is just very conscious about how we care for the environment. Um, rivers, especially, are water sources, that sort of thing. He also is a lover of craft beer. And Amen. and this is <laughs> this is why he is like a soulmate to me, (laughs) and he is the father of two lovely girls. He wanted that to be said. So do you have anything else, Roger?
5: Glad to be here. Thank you, Erica, and we look forward to the rest of the podcast.
1: Okay. In other words, move on. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Now we have Barbara Sloan, who is kind of our director of programs here at the Institute for Conscious Being. She also keeps us all in line with what we're teaching and what we're doing. She was a professor of theater at Stanford University for 25 years. She's also always been very active in our community with arts. Is that right? And the mother of two wonderful children and also a lot of grandchildren.
6: Well, seven g- grandchildren, counting the three of Roger's, four of mine, mm-hmm. yes.
1: I know that keeps you busy. Oh, yeah, yeah. very much so. <laughs> okay, thank you for being here. Yeah. And then we have Reverend Nancy Hornsby. She is a United Methodist pastor and is definitely brings her pastoring skills to the Institute for Conscious Being. She is a member of the faculty and focuses
7: on deepening roots. And tell us a little bit about that. We added another year to our training. And this is for students who have completed the scholars and the masters, and that's three years, who are seeking to grow even more deeply in their spirituality through the spirituality of the Enneagram. Awesome. Okay. And then we have Jessica Yarbrough.
1: She is also on faculty. She is very educated and has a couple master's degrees. Her focus has been in special education and recreational therapy for people with disabilities. It's always person-first language, right, Jessica? Okay. And so she brings with her quite a bit of patience and all of her editing skills. She edits the daily emails that we send out and all the brochures and all that good things so if you notice any mistakes if you'll email her at i'm just kidding (laughs) okay and then myself erica jobes i'm a cardiology nurse practitioner and i have a master's in business and also in nursing and just help dr howe with this podcast so i'm also the mother of three boys And that also keeps me very busy. So if you hear any background noise, that would be what that's about. They (laughs) are all here with a friend sleeping over. So it may get noisy. Okay, so now for the question that everybody's waiting for. I'd like to hear from you very wise people. And this is the question we get asked a good bit. When we are teaching at conferences, when we are doing training centers, when we have our small mentor groups, questions we get from the podcast listeners, what people want to know is what you're currently learning, how you're currently staying connected to your soul. So, you know, we teach the spirituality of the Enneagram and we believe that the importance of all this information is to learn how to reconnect with your essence and with your soul. So, I want to hear from you guys what you're currently doing now. I think this will be helpful for our listeners. So who would like to go first? Anybody? I'll be glad to. Okay, Roger's going to go first. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <Okay>. <laughs> Slipped in right before Nan. My role, I believe, has evolved, and I've been able to be present for, for the evolution of ICB. We teach the uh, three... Centers of intelligence—the head, the heart, and the body—and it's just worked out very well that uh, I can provide a connection with better body understanding, greater body intelligence through movement, and that has been uh, that's been well received. Uh, it is a significant part of our teaching, and great. To, we had the guest who taught us the dance of Enneagram. So it's evolving even more so, and I continue to uh, look forward to this teaching in the way that this has grown in an increasing fashion.
1: Yes, Roger does not allow us to stay, he does not allow this material to remain heady. He requires that we get into our bodies and to feel the intelligence through our bodies. And so that has been just really, really wonderful and kind of a breakthrough for a lot of people. So thank you for that. Nan, you wanna go next?
7: Absolutely. I echo what Roger has said, because part of my spiritual practice has changed in the last several months. As an ego type nine, I have always been very comfortable to sit on the couch and embrace the silence and the quiet and the journaling and the reflecting. Where I am finding my growth and my connection with my soul child at energy three is to get up and move. And I've been making playlists and dancing to this music. And I have discovered... At first I thought, okay, this is going to be a great way to exercise. And it is. But what I'm finding is that it's deepening my prayer life because I'm really praying with my entire body and getting that energy moving. So I want to echo my appreciation for Roger and and bringing to our training and our conferences this connection with our bodies because it is so important. We're making it incarnational.
1: Mm -hmm. Wonderful,
8: thank you. Okay,
7: Melanie? Hi, everybody, this
8: is Melanie. Recently, I was invited to present on the Creativity of Our Souls at at our McDowell uh, conference. And I was excited about it, but I had no idea how much it would unveil layers, like peeling away an onion and helping me reawaken to how important my own creativity and accessing that part of me to get to my soul, to my essence And we were honored by Ed Bacon's presentation there, a quote that I'll never forget. He said that the arts and other things, but the arts has a way of accessing that core part of our being that is untainted by trauma. In my music therapy practice, I'm working with psych patients and other patients and reminding them that when they use not only music, but any kind of artistic or any kind of creative Activity. they are accessing that part of them that, that has no diagnosis, no judgment, and it's just been, been very healing. And so I'm excited about this part, the creativity. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, I think that's one of the
1: reasons that... People uh find our conferences so healing is that the use of music it is therapy it does bring us back to a place inside of ourselves that is kind of untouched by you know harm and hurt, so we appreciate you doing that for us, Melanie. You bring a lot of wisdom in that way, okay, Barbara Sloan. yes,
6: this time of year is just a very soulful time of year for me, and I know it's cliche to think. Oh, we'll fours love the fall, (laughs) but, you know, because it's a sad time of year and the leaves are falling. But we, I think I've talked to enough. We love every change of season. Mm -hmm. And it's just a wonderful thing to just relish in what's going on, what the changes that are going on. And of course, I echo what Melanie was saying about creativity. And I found this poem that is by Edna St. Vincent Millay. She's said to be a four-poet. We don't know. She's not self-identified. But it's called God's World. O world, I cannot hold thee close enough. Thy winds, thy wide gray skies. Thy mists that roll and rise. Thy woods this autumn day that ache and sag and all but cry of color, that gaunt crag to crush, to lift the lean of that black bluff. World, world, I cannot get thee close enough. Long have I known a glory in in it all, but never knew I this. Here such a passion is as stretcheth me apart. Lord, I do fear thou, thou hast made the world too beautiful this year. My soul is all but out of me. Let fall, no burning leaf, prithee, let no bird call.
7: Oh, wow, that's good. It's mm-hmm. beautiful.
6: Yeah, it is beautiful, and it just I mean, it is that for and hopefully a, a conscious for feeling of just what's going on in the world being present to what mm-hmm.
1: what is. Mm-hmm. Well, and I hear in that poem and in your voice kind of a, a subtle joy, and really not much melancholy. Oh yeah, much joy. Much yeah, joy.
6: very. I've skipped the one and gone on over
1: to seven oh my <laughs> in my integration path. That's great. Okay, who do we have left? John Adams.
0: Yes, uh, this is John. And for me, I think both my ego type, which is two, and my essence is found at four. And both of those are in the heart center. And for me... Through the years and my growth with the Enneagram, I think at this point in my life, I'm embracing mystery and greater grace than ever before. And so that simply means that I don't have to have everything figured out and I don't have to mind read when it comes to people in my family and taking care of them or my friends, you know, I have healthier boundaries. Mm -hmm. So that gives me the opportunity to take care of myself a bit more. So I do find myself much more creative and also taking care of my body. Uh, Believe it or not, I am. (laughs) uh, But also doing more artistic things and creative things On my own, generally speaking, in the past, I've always had to have a crowd around me. Mm -hmm. And so to find joy in the solitude Mm -hmm. and uh, spend the time even just walking in nature or painting or things like that, enjoying music, that has really helped me to embrace, I believe, the depth of the Enneagram on my journey.
1: And I know it's a lot for you, John, to give yourself permission to be artistic, to be alone, to take care of yourself, and just to do what you want to do, not for anybody else or for any other purpose.
0: Exactly. And the more I can stay in touch with my three grandchildren, Mm -hmm. they press me to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So they bring a lot of joy and pull me back to my soul child often.
7: Well,
1: we appreciate how you shepherd us and it's good to hear that you're taking good care of yourself and your soul. Thank you. Okay, Lark, would you like to go? This is Lark
4: Howell. Hi. Yeah, I think the nurturing of my soul Began more earnestly 12 years ago when Joe and I decided to create this institute. I realized how important it was to nurture myself and to uh, try to be an example because you can't begin something. You can't teach it. You can't help people, other people to grow if you aren't growing along with them. And so I think this institute has been the inspiration for me to continue to try to grow and nurture my soul. I do the opposite of what Nan does. I'm an ego seven and I can be frenetic and I can lily pad hop and I can do all those things, those busy things to make things happen. But where I really nurture my soul is when I can go to my soul child, which is at point 0.5 and slow down and nurture my body and my soul by reading, doing art, being creative, working in the yard, being with my elderly dogs as you <laughs> as you pointed out a while ago. And so doing those soulful kinds of things are what helped me to stay balanced. Mm-hmm. And so when I can be balanced, I can be more of a contributing member of this institute by trying to stay focused. <laughs> and grow and learn along with everybody else. Mm -hmm. So the institute and then the integration for me are two important ways that I nurture and grow my soul.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Well, you, you actually are a very good role model for all of us in that, Lark. We appreciate your leadership. So I'll go next and then, oh, nope, we'll let... Doctor, the doctor, the doctor will go next. This is Dr. Rayford.
3: Drexel, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm listening to everybody and my answer keeps changing every time they, because I'm gonna say, yeah, that, that, that's, but I'm fascinated by the the variety of how people, people are shifting around and everything. There's such a variety of how folks nurture their souls. And so I was, I was kind of not joking when I said my answer kept changing because your creativity. I find I really connect with myself when I'm, when I'm doing songwriting and when I'm just letting myself do that without worrying about an audience, but just simply doing it. And that's great. But um, I don't think I would have been open to the Enneagram at all had I not started over 20 years ago in contemplative practice and paying attention to centering prayer. And I, th- I thought of that because uh, one of the prayers that I keep reading over and over again is Thomas Keating's ad- admonition and encouragement and invitation to love. And this is what he says, the way of pure faith is to persevere in contemplative practice without worrying about where we are on the journey and without comparing ourselves with others, which is real difficult for me. I'm an ego type four. Or judging others' gifts as better than ours. And then he says, we can be spared all this nonsense if we surrender ourselves to the divine action, whatever the psychological content of our prayer may be. In pure faith, the results are often hidden even from those who are growing the most. Isn't that cool yeah and and I think, well, maybe I am growing them because the uh, the results are definitely hidden from me, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so just good. to let that go, and that's a that's a great touch point for me mm-hmm. to be able to realize that there's stuff going on that I don't need to control, mm-hmm. and that I can just lean back and let the flow go, and somehow there's something happening there that that's real, and mm-hmm. I don't have to explain it to anybody
1: mm-hmm. that's good. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. Let's see. I'll go next and then we'll let Dr. Howell wrap us up. Okay. I'll see. For myself, I guess what I've been learning lately is as an ego type eight, I uh, thrive on activity and being busy and having a lot of important things to do. I get really bored very easily. And I think in this season of my life, what I'm learning is that each moment does not have to serve the next. And having a four-month-old, you know, requires me to be present if I'm to find any joy with that. And so I'm really learning a lot about not having to perform, not having to have control of what's coming, but to really rest, kind of building on what Drexel said, rest in my, you know, just the the spiritual practice that I have of just being present to the moment and not feeling like every single moment has to serve some moment in the future, that I have to be productive constantly, that I can rest in just being. So that's kind of what I've been working on. And that, Allows me to be present at the two, so that I can connect with my family, specifically my four-month-old that is pure essence, and enjoy that enjoy that time with him. And then we would talk to Jessica, but she is currently caring for that four-month-old who requires her constant presence. So, Doctor Howell, how about you?
2: Well, that's a very good question, and as we say in the living enneagram. that's many of our questions and um, how to stay in contact with the soul is really pivotal because if we're not in contact with the soul the ego runs us and it certainly has run me many times as an ego type six we're given to fear and anxiety and to quell that what we do is go to the 3 if we're unhealthy and try to get rid of our anxiety and our fear through accomplishment and frenetic activity and kind of like the gerbil on the <laughs> gerbil wheel and when when i realized in my life that that wasn't working and it took decades mm-hmm. and trauma And loss. And a critical mass of suffering. I understood from the Enneagram that the way I need to go is to the nine. Then back to the three. Then back to myself. But once you go to the three after having gone to the nine, the three is completely different. Mm -hmm. Because the nine takes you back to soul. And... That's my soul child. And I go then to accomplishment, not because of anxiety, but because of sheer inspiration Mm -hmm. coming from my depths. Mm -hmm. So I guess I have a back porch. I love it. I go there. I write. I reflect. Mm -hmm. I hold my dogs. Sometimes Lark comes out. It's the two of us. We're there. We have tea or breakfast or whatever. And there's a magnolia tree and a fountain. And in my best times, I can become one with that magnolia tree. I can almost feel that my cells are alchemically mixing with it and with its beautiful flowers if it's that season of the year. I literally see myself, my egoic self melts and I become greater as the soul who's part of that tree. But that works for any part of nature. I can do it at the beach. Mm-hmm. I can do it in the mountains. It takes stillness and uh, that's it. Thank you.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Well, we appreciate your leadership and and all you've done to help us all in our spiritual journeys. So, well, thank you, faculty, for talking to us about your own personal journey. And we just invite our listeners to send us any questions or comments to therealenneagram at gmail.com. You can also visit us on our Mm -hmm. website at theicb.org, where you can find our future conference schedules, our events, and also access to information about our training program through the Scholars and the Master's programs. Our next conference is going to be held in November at Beckwith. It's going to be November 12th through the 14th, and that is located outside of Mobile on the Bay, Weeks Bay, Is that correct? Good. I'm getting, each time, I'm getting a little bit closer to having that right. So (laughs) we will all be there, and it'll be a lovely setting, a very peaceful place. And we would uh, like to invite you to join us. You can still do that on our website. You can find a link to registration there. And we'd love to have you and see you in person, talk to you in person. So thank you again for joining us today.
0: That wraps up another episode of The Real Enneagram brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. If you're interested in furthering these conversations, please reach out to us through our Instagram, at the Enneagram. Or, if you're interested in our upcoming trainings or other resources, please visit our website, www.InstituteForConsciousBeing.org Thanks for listening.